City. It's your man, Big Pat, the voice of your Charlotte Hornets. And you're listening to the All Hornets Podcast Network, presented by Sports Illustrated. Everybody Googles everything, especially potential customers or employers, and a business or personal online reputation can make or break you. If negative search results or reviews are impacting you, Webamax is here to help. Our proven process restores your online reputation quickly and effectively, and it matters. Don't let negative results control your narrative. Visit GoWebamax.com and fill out a brief confidential form to see how we can help. Remember, if you aren't paying attention to your online reputation, someone else is. GoWebamax.com before history is written it's played before it's frozen in time it's fought one shift at a time before it's etched in silver it's carved in ice what happens next will last forever The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are the All Hornets Podcast Network. It is Media Day, and we're back bringing you all the live reactions, news, and analysis from Media Day. Joining me, as always, is Chase, but also third contributor on this time, making his All Hornets Podcast Network podcasting debut, site publishing manager for allhornets.com. It's Skylar Callahan. Skylar, how are you doing? Doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Glad to be on here finally. I mean, thanks for coming on. I mean, you know, you just got back from Hornets Media literally within the last couple of hours and jumped on this podcast. So, yeah, I mean, it'd be great to hear a little bit, uh, just kind of some of your kind of key impressions and experience. And I know you, this is your, you've been covering the team now for, well, just about 18 months, but this is your first in-person media day with, with COVID and everything. So, so what yeah. was it like being in Spectrum, being back in the arena? It was awesome. Um, you know, like you said, we got minimum person-to-person interaction last year uh really only got it in pre-game and post-game but we were behind masks uh for about 90 percent of the season i think the last maybe five or six home games we we finally got mask free but um it was it was a lot of fun it was good to see everybody again and just be back in the building feels like the season's finally here whenever you get to media day um uh, preseason's just around the corner but you know it the one thing i took away um from media day as a whole was just how everybody was was focused and re-energized it seemed like everyone's kind of motivated from how they ended the last season really the last two seasons in the playing tournament but how they're they're not letting that be the narrative uh, i think heading into the season they're not focused on let's make sure that doesn't happen again it's just using that as as some fuel for the upcoming season plus i think too and and this is kind of maybe a good sign is that we see we saw a lot of guys talk about defense today, like Terry Rozier, not a guy you would expect to hear talk about defense, but he talked defense uh, pretty extensively. Obviously, Cody Martin talked about it, a um, couple of other guys too. So it, it's good to hear that they're preaching defense. They're so, they're soaking in everything Steve Clifford's telling them, and I think that's a good sign. Yeah, and that's going to be mostly the focus for today's episode. Obviously, not surprised to many people, we're going to be touching on some of the key storylines from Media Day that have come out, some of the key quotes. Um, but before we get onto that, we're going to touch a little bit on the signing of Leangelo Ball, um, which got announced pretty much a couple of hours maybe before Media Day started that the Hornets were signed 
Jello to a one-year non-guaranteed contract. Chase, tell, tell the people, is, is this something we need to be paying attention to or not? Like, is this a real one-year signing or is this a G League thing? What, what are you thinking here? Uh, well, Rod Boone did say the deal was non-guaranteed, so I don't think he'll be a member of the regular season roster as a like a part of the 15-man guaranteed roster spot. But I do think he'll be a part of the G League again, or he'll be around the Greensboro Swarm. So, I mean, I think that's if it's if you're a, a Hornets diehard that likes to get into the end of roster transactions and stuff, then this is definitely something to look out for. But uh, I don't think it's uh, the way the way that Shams uh, reported it after Rod originally tweeted it, like just saying it was a one year deal and that he was joining the Hornets, I thought was kind of funny because that made it seem like they signed him to like a one year like veteran minimum contract or something, which they did not. And it could be an exhibit 10 deal as well, which we've talked about before with the guys that uh, the previous four players that were signed to an exhibit 10 deal would just give him a financial incentive to play for the swarm as well. So um, I would imagine that he is waived sometime during the preseason, but um, he'll be here for the next week or two, probably. Yeah. And, and shout out Rod for uh, getting the scoop on shout. Yeah. He there. beat, I, he beat him too. That was awesome. By about a minute. I think Twitter yep. said it was like a, a minute he beat him by. So it's a good job by, by Rod there. Um, I mean, Skylar, what do you think? I mean, technically, with Bridges not on the roster and no real update in sight, there is actually a spot for Dennis Smith Jr. and Leangelo Ball. Do you think it is like, do you think there's an open roster, an open battle for that kind of like last roster spot between the training camp guys, Jaden Crutcher, um, Isaiah Whaley, Leangelo Ball, or, or are you kind of thinking along the same lines to Chase here? Yeah, I'm kind of thinking right with Chase. I mean, I think this is kind of a somewhat of a PR move, somewhat of a keep the ball family happy, keep Lamelo happy a little bit, um, and and really just to give Leangelo another chance. I mean, they they don't want to walk away from that situation saying they didn't give him enough chances. I mean, new coaching staff they want to make sure that that he's given the right opportunities. I mean, obviously, never really got to to work out with uh, with JB, but now with Clifford here, I mean, he's he's got to go through summer league, and now he's going to get a chance here to go through training camp with them. So, I think just giving him the opportunity is kind of what they're looking for here. And I mean, I I would be shocked if if he made the opening day roster. But we've seen crazier things happen. Um, I mean, I thought he was okay in summer league. We didn't really see anything great out of him. He didn't really play a whole lot either. Um, and I think, too, he's just – he doesn't have the speed to play at the NBA. I, I just don't think as of right now. I don't think he's in good enough shape to be in, in the NBA. So, we'll see. Maybe that's something he's been working on and he come back. He, he came back a little bit stronger, a little bit faster. And if so, then maybe he does crack the fifth, top rush but i don't know i don't think so yeah and it's worth being aware obviously with at summer league i think he had covid didn't he so he missed all like the summer league training camp i think he missed like the first game and he came back but the i think steve clifford said today that he's been he's been working out in the facility all summer um you know he he mentioned uh i think in his in his some of his interviews with rod over the summer that he's he's just really happy to be in charlotte and he views his home and he looks forward to playing side by side with his brother lamello again and like I, I think you know, you see the Giannis brothers getting all signed in Milwaukee, and I think you know, it's a really low stake move, and I, I think it does make some sense. And if he's if he's a good worker, and he, like his his strength is shooting, rebounding, and size for his position, which are all things that Steve Clifford generally values. So yeah, I, I think you're you are probably right, both of you. I think it's most likely he ends up, ends up in Greensboro, but I am interested what happens with that last roster spot. Um, if they do, they go into the season with fourteen. Do they sign someone like have Jello on the on the roster? But maybe his non guarantee date is I don't know in January or February, so they could waive him kind of at any point. If at some point Miles were to come back, more on that later. Um, so there's a, potentially a few options here, but but good to see Jello back. Um, you know, he's always you know brings fans into Greensboro has a big following and he's generally conducted himself like the perfect professional athlete since being in Charlotte, which I think some people in the NBA probably don't give the ball brothers enough credit. They still think they're more of a storyline than their actual basketball players. And he's been doing just that for the last 18 months. Okay. Um, let's move on to training camp. 
lot of lot to get through. We might not hit everything, but um, we're just going to bounce around. We're, we've all kind of gone through and taken a look at some of the things that stuck out to us from uh, Media Day today, some of the key quotes. Um, so, Chase, I'm going to come to you first. Throw us out something that caught your eye. Um, what, what, what are you saying? All right. So I think that my singular favorite quote from the entire you know series of media availabilities that we had today which and Skylar, I very much, and I and many others, I'm sure, very much appreciate you essentially like live tweeting the entire thing and transcribing what, what the whole press conference for us. I, I really appreciate that. But um, it was when Terry Rozier said that uh, on the Hornets being like overlooked this year and not being expected to be nearly as good as they were last season uh, in spite of returning uh, like 90% of the production that they had last year. Um, he said, we pray that they keep it this way. We pray they sleep on us. We pray that when teams come in here, they think they have a night off. And regardless of like whether or not that actually ends up being true, that's a good mentality to have. And it, I think it's especially good for one of the leaders on the team, especially like emotionally and vocally to be like preaching that mentality in September, especially. Yeah, I mean, my, my biggest thing was actually from Clifford. Um, and it was... He talked about how he, he had a message to the team. And I don't know, I can't remember if he said it was this morning or you know, a while back, that they weren't going to set a mark for what they define as success for this season. And I love that because when you start getting into setting benchmarks, especially with a young team, they feel like, okay, if, if our goal is to hit 45 wins and we hit that, then it's like, okay, we can all relax. You know, or if it's, if we get to the play-in, we can relax. Or if we get to the first round of the playoffs, we can relax. I think when you have a young team, you just let them play, let them develop, get better, improve throughout the season, and let the games fall as they may. And I think Gordon Hayward kind of – I asked Gordon about that, and he kind of echoed the same thing, that, you know, it's it's probably a good thing to have your coach say those sort of things because you don't want guys relaxing. You, got, you don't want guys – to think that we've got this this goal in mind, and once we get there, there's nothing after that. So, to me, that was that was something I really took home from from uh, today's press conference. You see, I, I think that's interesting. The last one because I, I'm someone personally I like targets, right? I I work yeah. much better in my like daily life if I have targets. And if someone just says to if my manager at work said like just come and just get better every day, you know, be the best that you can be. It can be I'm a woman. <laughs> like I, that for me, I struggle with that. I'm like, but, but what are we working towards? Especially in the current Hornet situation where you could argue there is some, a little lack of clarity on exactly the direction the team is pulling at the moment. Um, on the outside, they'll talk about playoffs being the goal, playoffs being the goal. But um, you look at the, the lack of action this offseason, obviously for, for reasons you touched on. Maybe there's been some suggestion, well, they've, they've not gone all in on Donovan Mitchell or um, someone else who's been out there. So I, I do wonder if some players find that approach more difficult to deal with. Yeah, I, I think, you know, with having this mix that they've got of some veterans, some young and a lot of young guys, I think it, it would help to maybe have some sort of a goal. I think obviously that's that's getting to the postseason, but – I think the way that they've kind of played the last two years in stretches, especially last year when, when they went through that really rough stretch towards the towards the end of the year, um, that's that's something that I think they've got to keep back in their mind too. Is like when they go through these rough stretches, they can't just you know collapse and fall apart. They've got to be able to withstand that, overcome it, and and find ways to get back in the win column. So. Um, yeah, Chase, uh, back to your, your Terry thing. I do like it, too, because uh, – well, Terry said a lot of good stuff today. He, he talked about mm -hmm. he talked about defense and, and stuff like that. But I think, too, when, when people sleep on you and people don't expect you to be that good, it, it kind of goes to, to what Clifford was saying with, you know, not setting expectations. We don't know how good this Hornets team is going to be. Like, we really don't. Like, like James said, like, there's – there's some feeling that this could be a team that gets into the top six seeds, and there's some feeling that they may be a bottom five team in the league. So that's that's a tough. 
I will say it's every single year you come into the NBA, the, the world that is NBA media is there to create narratives. And every year the NBA media will pick teams that has a positive nar- a narrative and a negative narrative. And that is normally due to what has happened in the offseason. And obviously the Hornets have not added that much and have lost Miles Bridges. Um, they've had, we talked about all the, the issues that in the offseason. But at the end of the day, when like the ball gets rolled out, the start of the season that narrative means very little i think that almost probably feels at times more powerful and important to the fans than it actually is to the players that i think the players are much more cut off from that and probably don't pay quite as much attention and like like terry said i think he's probably seen some of the the, the kind of the ideas and thoughts out there the, the power rankings the nba rankings of players and things like that and they've seen the hornets on in there and Let's let's rewind a year ago where the Hornets were the, the darling of the league to watch on League Pass. You know, everyone was super excited. One of the best young cores in the NBA. And it ended up finishing 10th in a very similar way to last season. And th- that positive narrative all there at the start of the year, we, the team did have a more positive year, but it wasn't an all-out success. You know, there's still people that say they've not really gone anywhere. So it's, it's important to not let the narrative over the offseason take over and think actually like reality, things can be very, very different. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. And that's something that I think that we as like fans and media can lose touch of is that like nobody in the Hornets locker room is sitting there thinking about how the offseason not going to plan or whatever, how you, however you want to phrase that. Uh, is like going to affect the season because to them, like they're like, we're 15 or right now, I guess 13, we're 13 really good NBA basketball players. Like why should we go into this thinking like, Oh, the the front office didn't make a signing or a trade or draft somebody. So now we're not going to be good. It's like, like that would be, it'd be like belittling yourself almost to think that uh, of your, like going into the seat before you've even actually done anything. Like, why would you think that your team lacks this sort of potential just because like, media is writing about it which you know of course this has an impact but they don't actually they don't really know until things are actually transpiring like playing games and whatnot and we can see how this team is playing on the court but I think that they're they're definitely they seem to be doing and saying and thinking the right things which is definitely like I mean it's not necessarily like a great thing because a lot of teams do that this time of the year but we've seen today that a lot of teams don't uh and have everybody doing and saying and thinking and feeling the right things uh on media day um so it's good that the hornets are at least doing that after what outsiders would view as like a worst case scenario off season yeah i think there was a couple things today that kind of that kind of really jumped out to me um and and it all revolved about around the miles bridges situation like i did not expect Lamelo or Terry to really go in depth with their answers. Um, I believe Kelly Ubre popped a no comment. I think maybe somebody else said no comment, but for Mello and Terry to actually go into the situation, I thought, it, I mean, they didn't really go deep into it, but the fact that um, they were kind of saying like, hope he can come back and stuff like, I was like, Oh gosh, like, <laughs> That, that's some stuff that maybe that should have not been said, but again, they are young guys. That, that that's their, their that is their brother. Whether he did right or wrong, we don't know. We don't know the information, but uh, yeah, I was just a little shocked that that either one of them said anything. Yeah, I was pretty flawed. Um, I thought you know the PR team, the Hornets, have briefed every single player and coach ahead of media day. Yeah. That when you get asked about Miles Bridges, you say you can't, can't comment on it because it's a legal matter. And Steve Clifford did that, I think, very early in his press conference. Some of the other players did it. For then some players to choose not to follow that advice. And some of the comments that kind of came out around Miles were, you know, I think PJ said he'd reached out to him. Lamelo said he'd been in contact with him. The, the general vibe I got was this team was still connected to Miles Bridges, right? Um, they, they've not been kind of like, you know, we're moving on as a team. We're not letting that bother us. You know, I, I can understand the saying like we don't want to be defined by it, but I definitely got the sense that this team is, Miles Bridges is still part of this team in some of their guys' head, which um, 
is I don't know if that's because they they know how things or got an idea of how things might play out in terms of who might be back on the team. So there's no point burning those bridges if they know I've got an idea of how it might play out legally or if it's just because they want to because they're still friends with him. And I mean, it's just got to be a difficult situation, right? Can you imagine if some of your best friends have reportedly done what some of the stuff that Miles did? Like, what do you you let your... You, you put yourself in a really difficult position as a friend that I'm thankfully I've never had to be in and I hope I never do want to be in. But I, I definitely know that Hornets PR probably weren't thrilled with some of the answers today. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing is you just don't want this to become a, a season-long distraction, right? Because, I mean, the way this this process is playing out, like it doesn't seem like we're going to get any clarity on it anytime soon. And I don't think we're going to get any clarity before the season starts, may not even a month or two after the season starts. We all know how the, the legal system works, especially here in the U.S. So, Well, the, the next day, I believe, is the 29th of September, which yeah. is approaching. So that's in, in three days from recording. Now, so far, every time we've had one of those dates, it's just been pushed back to another day. And that could keep happening for, like, infinity, for all I know, right? But <laughs> there, there is a chance, I guess. There is maybe some some news soon. But I'm, I've lost all hope at this stage. You're right. Yeah, I think you just want to at least at some point put this behind you and, and realize, like, okay, these are the guys we got, and this is what we're going to be rolling with this year. You know, if Miles comes back, he comes back. But until then, you can't worry about it. You can't focus on it. And – I think, two, you're going to see how this team responds in certain situations when adversity does come and they have to, you know, try and soak in whatever Steve Clifford's trying to tell them and not revert back to some of the things they were doing in years past or or revert to things because, oh, Miles could save us here or Miles could do this for us. You don't have Miles anymore. You don't have him right now. you got to be able to find ways to make up for that. Okay, so something I want to touch on, and this is this is not just about one player. I just want to do a quick Hornets muscle watch just in general for the team, right? So we've got quite a few updates today about people gaining weight, losing weight, and we'll, we'll run through what I could find. And if I've missed anything else, Skylar, from in person, you, you, you let me know. Yep. So JT Thor is up nine pounds from the, the end of last season, which I think you mentioned that he, he looked noticeably bigger, um, oh. which is which is great. Nine pounds, leader in the clubhouse for mo- most weight gain so far. So so that's good for JT. And I think with him probably looking a little bit more of a power forward than a, a wing in summer league, I think that additional weight will be important to him. Mark Williams is up eight pounds. Uh, he said he was up at 250 to 252. And his draft combine weight, that was all the way back in, what, May now? That was 242. So he's up like a good, a good eight pound, really. Um, and then Bryce McGowan says he's put on five pounds and PJ Washington says he's lost 12 to 14 pounds, which I reported earlier in the week that PJ was, was in good shape and that people were thrilled. I, I mean, that wasn't exactly breaking news. I think if, if people have been following him on Instagram, et cetera, you can, you could tell he was in good shape, but he's, you know, hired this, this professional chef. Um, he's really changed with, he's become more professional with his workout stuff. So I think, Steve Clifford spoke pretty glowingly of PJ today, but those those are the muscle watch. Which for a young team like people will put on weight. This is just natural. Like not everyone has to lose their minds here and be like, "This is incredible." People still need to be able to have the skills to translate this onto the court, right? Um, but was there anyone else I missed from there um, at all? I, I think Gordon Hayward mentioned he lost weight, but I didn't couldn't find a figure. I don't remember if there was any. I, I think Gordon said something about staying in shape, but I don't know if he had say anything about weight i could be wrong on that but i think you got everybody yeah so in terms of real muscle watch i mean that that's not everyone i'm curious about the mellow because i know mitch kupchak said last year at his end of season media availability that one of the biggest things you need to focus on is, is getting stronger to help his finishing around the rim and um you know that that would be an interesting one to hear about I think he looked a little bit bigger too. I mean, I think I, he might have said that he spent time this summer work like working on getting stronger when someone asked him like what he was doing. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely looked like he was toned up a little bit more. JT Thor was just like the biggest. Like as soon as he walked in the room, like is that JT Thor? Like I, I had to I had to do a double take because I mean the last couple of years, I mean he just looked like a, a a thin rail. Like you know what I mean? So I mean it was I good. And, and PJ too, he he just looks like super lean, super cut. Looks like he's going to be a guy that 
that they asked for him to do that, but it looks like he's going to be able to play more because of it too. Yeah. JT Thor is the all-time leader in, I swear he's taller than six, nine and a half or six, ten or whatever he's measured out to be. Like, he, he's so unbelievably long. And then you look at his measurements and you're like, how is JT Thor not seven foot? I, I swear. Um, but yeah. Um, okay. That's, that's it from me for Muscle Watch. Um, anyone else? What, who else go next? Skylar, jump us to another one. To Muscle Watch? Uh, not Muscle Watch. You, someone else oh. that uh, stuck out to you today. Oh, let's see. Man, there's so much stuff. Um, I, I, I'll just go ahead and get right into it. How about James Booknight? Mm. The comments with the former coach and now Steve Clifford. So basically said that the coaching change was good for him. Um, he was asked that and he said, yeah, I think so. I mean, he's like, I didn't want to get into it, but um, – and he, he talked about how it was it was dope <laughs> to to have a coach that actually believed in him. So it's it's interesting because we felt like that there was some bit of tension last year between he and JB, but it was more like, okay, is it really tension or is it just a rookie not understanding how things work in the NBA, especially under James Brega, who likes to be patient with his young guys, like. I don't know if – it was kind of hard to tell if there's actually anything there. But today I think we got clarity with that. Yeah, I agree. I think um, you're right. He talked a little bit about – I think there was a quote that um, when you have a coach that believes in you, in you, it's dope. There's nothing like it. I met with him every day at 8 a.m. during some league to watch film and understand what is expected of me, which I think is, which I think is great. And look, look. A lot of head coaches watch the film with players, right? Especially guys who are injured on the summer league team. But to, to go out the way, especially with like Clifford will be coming in knowing what happened last year with Book Knight. He will have been warned by the current coaches, by the front office, saying this guy got disengaged, you know, wasn't in a healthy place like with, with the team um, and really got very limited playing time. And Steve Clifford obviously went out of his way to try to build these bridges, which is what you want to see. You want to try and get him back on board in your program, not so that the guy just starts going, oh, it's never going to happen for me here. I'm already looking for my other team. I'm going into my, my, my sophomore season, essentially his rookie season, really, if you look at how much he played. Um, so I, I think it is positive that Booker's back and, and speaking in a positive manner because you've just not heard that probably since last training camp was the last time you heard book night speak positively um but i, I will say if, if steve clifford watched the tape the james book night tape last year especially like in g league wasn't wasn't great and for someone who like doesn't like mistake prone players he likes efficiency he likes people to play to their strengths low turnover prone Ugh, james book night that was all things that he really struggled with last season um but the fact that he's, he's working through that can can only be a positive and i think he could get I think he could get real minutes this year, especially with the, the backup point guard option that I think Terry Ozier might might be looking to take. Um, Chase, any thoughts on, on Book Knight's comments? Uh, I mean, that was definitely another one. That was probably the funniest like moment of the day for like uh, an observer. When it, I, I just think that referring to something like to your coach like not believing in you, which is like a really serious thing for like an athlete. I feel like. Uh, just being like, yeah, it's it's dope to have that the guy that I thought didn't believe in me out of here. It's just such a funny, uh, kind of like choice of words. To just, it's 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 I, I love it, he, I'm, and I'm I'm glad that he like feels that way too. I mean, I mean, it's good. It is. It seems to be good so far. Like the the everybody else seems to like Clifford. Uh, Book Knight was the one guy on the team that maybe maybe not did, had a bad relationship with Borrego, and he seems to like Steve Clifford now too. So I, it seems like the the chances of getting a buy-in from every single member of the Hornets roster is much stronger this year. I know well, typing it. I knew, I knew this as soon as I was typing the tweet, I was like, this is going to be the one that's going to get. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's the, that's the, the quote, lots of quote tweets with like crying or laughing emojis yeah. or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. The, uh, if we're, are you, are you going on, on the next one, James? No, I, I was just going to say the real test with all of this will be what if Book Knight isn't in the rotation to start oh. the year? And like he may, that, he yeah. Exactly. And, and that's where the real challenge here is. Will he 
you know, will that this everything's great now, right? Everything's great when the, the you know decisions haven't been made and who's starting, who's in the rotation. We know Clifford plays a pretty short rotation. Generally played eight man rotations, nine at most, uh, in his last stint in Charlotte. Last year we were in nine and, and ten man rotations a lot of the time. I just for me, like I just need to see but kind of keep this through, even even if he's not in the rotation. I think that's the key. And that shows you've got a really great relationship with the coach when someone is still trusting their head coach, even when they're, they're not being involved. What were you guys' thoughts on Clifford pretty much naming Mason the starter starter at center and Nick Richards the, the backup center? I'll let Chase go on this one. You go first. I have thoughts. Um, I mean, I thought – I mean – I'm sure that was what a lot of players, even those in the locker room, might have assumed would have been the depth chart anyway. Nick was the best of the young players at Summer League uh, in the games that he played. I mean, he got shut down at the end. but um, And then other than that, the only big that they have is Mason Plumley. That's a veteran. And Steve Clifford probably is the type of coach that's going to lean with a veteran, especially on opening night. Um, opposed to a rookie or a guy that's in his second year that really hasn't played at all, uh, especially as a starter on opening night. Um, so it, it doesn't necessarily like surprise me that that's the case, but the fact that he said he stated it very plainly, so I thought that was was kind of surprising. But he was he Cliff's a straight shooter. He like I feel like he was the first time he was in Charlotte. He definitely was when he was in Orlando. I remember like he used to make like I, I follow like a Keith Smith. He's a lives in Orlando so he's like a magic slash Celtics reporter and he always would tweet like golden Steve Clifford quotes from after games or like videos of him saying something with like a funny facial expression so I feel like we're going to get a lot of comments like this from Steve Clifford that where he's just like laying it out for us and it's just like yeah this is what we're going to do like you can you can like it or not but <laughs> here you go I think um I think it was quite refreshing um yeah exactly to, to have that at the start it lets everyone know where they are. It has the fan base manage expectations. There's none of this, ooh, will Mark Williams be in the rotation on opening night? It has to go on for like three weeks now between training camp and the first game. Like, this, it's pretty much said now, right? Um, I think it was probably really obvious. Like, if you're paying attention really closely, it, that's what it was most likely going to be. Definitely Nick Richards at least being involved in the rotation to some extent. Um, it is also definitely the least popular thing that Steve Clifford could have possibly said today because you're talking about the guy you traded a future first round pick for and the guy you selected this year in the draft um, who are now out of your rotation completely because they are one position players in Kai Jones, which, which Steve Clifford said today. He views them as primarily a five. So if anyone's hoping for him to be a four, then, then I think you can keep on waiting for that. Um, those guys are going to be... Uh, on the bench one of them will probably be in the g league i'm guessing they'll keep one on the bench um but yeah it's fa it's safe to say it's just truth isn't it like young young fans especially don't like when first round picks are on the bench and we saw that last year with, with kai and buck knight um but i think again it gives this idea this team is definitely trying to push the win get the wins this year and that's what you expect when you got a steve clifford team who values size defensive rebounding, a little bit of experience. And I mean, it was clear when I spoke to Nick Richards in Las Vegas, Summer League, that that him and Clifford are in a really good place and we're seeing eye to eye. Um, and you can't, no one can stand here and say that Mark Williams was better than Nick Richards in Summer League in the, the two games that he played. It was just not the case. Now, I know all the arguments, Nick Richards is 25 years old, etc. I get it. But if you're talking about winning games on opening night, then I think I can understand it. I, I will too be disappointed not to see Mark Williams right because I think he's probably got a much higher ceiling than Nick Richards. But I, I don't think that'll be it for the season. Um, there, there will be opportunities when they get minutes and they'll have to take them when they do. The folks in the triad are going to have a lot of fun this year. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say because if you got Mark Williams and Kai Jones kind of bouncing back and forth and maybe James Booknight's down there, Langelo Ball, McGowan's probably going to be there. Like Greensboro is going to be a lot of fun to watch. No, absolutely it is. And we're, we're looking forward to providing some coverage of the Greensboro Swarm this year. We're going to have Laquan Robinson doing his Greensboro Swarm podcast and also have some articles covering the Swarm this year as well. So 
We'll be keeping you uh, up to date with everything on the uh, SI All Hornets website. Um, okay, we're just going to take a, a quick break there. Then we're going to come back um, after some adverts from our partners at DraftKings and Raycon Earbuds. And we'll, we'll finish on some of the other things that stuck out to us today. A new sponsor for the All Hornets Podcast Network, Raycon Earbuds. Lately, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts looking to preview the NBA season, and it's been great. One reason it's been great is because I've been listening using my Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycon's everyday earbuds look, feel, and sound better than ever. With optimized gel tips and a perfect in-ear fit, these earbuds are so comfortable, they will not budge. Trust me, you can go cycling, you can go running, you need to do what you gotta do, they're gonna stay in. Raycon gives you eight hours of playtime and a 32 hour battery life. They're priced just right and give you the quality audio at half the price of other premium audio brands. It's no wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 50,000 five-star reviews already. Big thing for me is the noise isolation mode. I, I absolutely love that. Love being able to just listen and get in my zone. Also, it's got the awareness mode too. So if you're cycling and there's cars on the road, you wanna keep aware of what's around you, you can just throw that awareness mode on and you can make sure you can hear everything going on to keep your uh, wits about you. So overall, I can't endorse Raycon Airbuds enough. Since we became a new sponsor of the podcast, I've definitely upgraded my old wireless headphones that I had. So make sure you go to buyraycon.com today and use code TBPN15. And that gets you 15% off your Raycon order. That's code TBPN15 at buyraycon.com to score 15% off. The NFL action is back and we're in full swing here at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. We're talking about touchdowns, big plays and even bigger wins. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If that's not enough, Everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings' stepped-up same-game parlays. Right now, for every leg you add, you can boost your winnings up to 100%. With payouts bigger than ever, why bet on football anywhere else? To make things even sweeter, you can throw down stepped-up same-game parlays once per game all season long. Make sure you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TBPN to get $200 in free bets if your team wins and when you place a $5 bet on any football game. That's code TBPN, only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Okay, welcome back to part two, where we're looking at some of the various uh, key quotes that have come out of Media Day. Um, we've touched on a few things so far, um, from Muscle Watch, from the starting center rotation, Miles Bridges, some comments by James Booknight and Terry Rozier. Uh, Chase, what else has stuck out to you that came out today? So I'm going to loop in a couple of things that we've already talked about. The first one or one of them we haven't talked about, and I'm, I'm going to circle that into something you have talked about previously, James. The first one is Gordon Hayward, uh, and Steve Clifford had mentioned about Gordon Hayward, but Gordon mentioned himself that there's going to be some sort of plan for him to rest, not you know, not play every single game leading up to you know, game 82 or whatever, if um, if that's the case. But he's going to you know, maybe probably. I imagine it would just be sitting back to backs every now and again. Uh, maybe if they're playing like three games in five nights, he sits the last one or something. Um, we'll probably get more details on that uh, if and when it actually ends up happening. But going into that or going off of that, do you think that that would cause Clifford to maybe like lengthen that rotation a little bit like throughout the season? Just so guys are not being like pulled off the bench to be like, OK, here you go. You got to play 14 minutes tonight because Gordon's sitting out. Uh, and then like PJ and Kelly are going to play a little more and here you go, you know, JT, Kai, whoever, like, you know, just, but just, just so then you don't have to throw them in positions like that where they're cold, haven't played in like three games or, you know, we're just in Greensboro for or something. And then, that, then now they have to come up from the G league to the NBA and play a game. Do you think that maybe there, he plays like nine or 10 guys instead of eight or nine, just so 
you have players circling in and out like more frequently and then if and when players need rest you don't have guys coming off the bench that haven't played in a while it it's not something i ever thought of but it's actually a really good point because i know that's i just thought of that after we when we were talking about it yeah it's, it's one thing that Steve Clifford absolutely hates. And I remember this very clearly from his last stint. He hates, you know, guy who hasn't played for 10 days. In you go, play 16 minutes tonight. And then, like, he, he hates that. He says NBA players, it's all about rhythm. They need to feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. Comfortable. You need to have confidence. The team is going to be able to execute with them out there. These are the things that you'll start, the Cliffordisms that you'll start to hear. So, yeah, maybe maybe he does increase the rotation so that on the nights that Hayward is sitting out, that then someone is just playing a few more minutes rather than going from out the rotation altogether to in it. It's, that's a really interesting point that I had not considered. I, I also think you're talking about the schedule there, and it also just made me remember another Cliffordism, which we'll get once the season starts. Steve Clifford always breaks the season up into, like, chunks, right? So he'll, you'll always hear him talk in press conferences like, well, we've got nine and 23, you know, nine games in 23 days. And then that that thing will finish and it'll be like, right, we've got eight of our next 12 are on the road. And he always breaks the season up into like these little mini blocks. And I've heard him talk about it before. That's how he views the season. He, he breaks it into mini schedule blocks. And you'll notice he sometimes makes those rotational changes at the, when like kind of like a mini block comes to an end. So let's say it might be a, I don't know, an, an eight-game West Coast road trip or something. Um, he'll he'll not like to make changes partway through one of his identified mini blocks in the season. So it's just something worth to, to keep an eye out for the season starts. But yeah, that's it's a great point, Chase. I I've not considered that. Yeah, I think too, with the the options that they have kind of on the wing, like I think they'll be able to to kind of play that way anyways, because you're gonna want Kelly in. Bryce McGowan's is probably going to get some run here and there. Um, so, I mean, I, and JT Thor, I mean, he can play the three. Um, so, th- I mean, they were, they're going to have a ton of guys that I think they can rotate in and play different positions. And I don't think they'll have to to worry too much about having guys kind of playing. I, I think it will be more so guys playing out of position a little bit. Like nights that Gordon Hayward plays, I don't know how much JT Thor is going to be playing the three versus him actually staying to the four. Okay, I've got a couple of fun, quirky ones, which I'm going to throw out. And then, Skylar, I'm going to let you pick um, which one you want to look at. So it's Cody Martin finding out that he had his free agency agreement while he was in the queue at Disneyland. There's Mason Plumlee's lefty free throws, which are back for another year. (laughs) Um, Or there's, we'll go... Kelly Oubre talking about wanting to become a defensive pest again. So which, which of those three, where do you want to go? Oh, I'll go with uh, Mason shooting lefty. I think that's such a cool story. Like, I think everyone kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. And him to to spend this whole offseason shooting left-handed is just – to me personally, I, it would have just ticked me off so much that I couldn't shoot with my normal hand that I would have made it work right-handed. But – it's almost weird too. If it's he said, it feels more natural. So I don't, I don't know why he doesn't even try to shoot jumpers with his left hand as his dominant hand. I mean, wouldn't you think that'd make more sense? I mean, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I think Absolutely. that makes sense. Yeah, I, I, it can't be any worse than his right. I mean, no, <laughs> it's I, not I'm like sure. he's a floor spacer with his right hand. So. <laughs> I'm just curious to see now he's actually a chance to practice with the left hand. Like last year he did it because of an injury on his right hand. That's why he changed to left for people who don't, might not remember the details. Then he just kept with it for the rest of the season. Now, now he's actually had like a whole off season where he's probably been working on these left-handed free throws. But I will say, and this is a bit of a random one, but um, I actually have a similar thing as Mason Plumney, not with basketball shooting, but soccer or football, right? I'm right-footed. I use my right foot for everything. If I was to take a free kick or a goal kick from like a, a ball that isn't moving, I, I'm better with my left foot and I can, I can kill the ball more. I can hit the ball more powerfully with my left foot. But if I'm dribbling and I'm hitting a moving ball, I'm way better with my right. I, I can't tell you why that is the case, but I, I just know it is. So I, I like people say I'm two-footed. 
I wouldn't say that because I just say like I'm good with one foot with one thing and then bad with the other foot with the other. Uh, but like, I, I can see what it's like for Mason for, from my own experience in, in soccer. Yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Like I'm right-handed in baseball, right-handed when I go golfing. But for some reason, when I grew up, I always played hockey left-handed. And it was so weird because I, I just grew up thinking that left hand was right-handed. I was too little to even understand. So when I tried to go turn right-handed, it was just like I was so stiff. I couldn't even move. It was really weird. But, yeah, I think him shooting left-handed jumpers would be interesting to see. <laughs> but I will say he's put in a lot of work. Because, I mean, there was times last year after the games, I was walking by past the, the practice facility, and he was in there shooting left-handed free throws, like, constantly. So, I mean, it's been something he's been working on. So now, now the question is, like, how good can he be? Is he, like, a 75% free throw shooter now? Oh, don't, I, we should do some some over under bets over-under. on like yeah. his his uh his free throw shooting percentage this year. I'm curious. Um, if you want something that will blow both your minds in field hockey, you can't play left handed. You have to play right handed because oh, really? you can only use one mm-hmm. side of the you can only use one side of the, the the field hockey stick. You can't use the back side, so you have to use it right handed. Even if you're lefty, you have to play right handed. So there you go. There's a little bit of. Trivia knowledge. That and I think polo as well, like on the horse. I think that's also you either have to use your left or you have to use your right. I can't remember which, but it's one of them. Some some sports trivia fear for those uh, hardcore multi-sport listeners. Um okay. Uh Chase, where do you wanna where do you want about to do next? Um there's a big one go, we've not about, touched yet. All right. I'll, I don't know necessarily what you're referring to, so maybe I'll leave we'll leave that save the best for last and we'll touch on this one quickly cuz uh I why not why not Dennis Smith Jr.? I thought the comment that he made about first of all, he said the Hornets were his favorite team to watch last season, which it's good that the the league pass appeal is still there and that that also seeps into players within the league if just I think that that's a good sign that the Hornets are being viewed more positively even if it's just when you're sitting on your TV and watching them play. Um, among people within the NBA. Uh, But he also said that he feels this is the first time an organization has tried to develop him instead of attempting to make him into something that he's not. Uh, And he said, um, which is, this is from a Rod Boone tweet. He said, I definitely have something to believe in. Uh, So that I, I feel like that's just a very like positive comment from somebody who's not signed to a guaranteed contract currently. So, I mean, they have the Hornets have two open spots. He's obviously the best um, backup point guard candidate that's not on a guaranteed contract right now, or not backup, I should say, but third point guard candidate that's not on a contract right now. So maybe maybe he sticks around if he plays well in the preseason. Uh, Steve Clifford said that he thought he was a good defender too, I think. So, I mean, he, he is a pretty, a pretty good defender for a guard, still athletic. Um, I don't know. I think that'll be interesting to monitor, monitor over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I think he's a guy that that if he really reaches his full potential, like I think he could be a very quality backup guard for the yeah. Or maybe maybe it's not here in Charlotte, but somewhere else in the league. Like he has so much untapped potential, but like he said, everywhere he's been, it's not. It just hasn't worked out for whatever reason. And I mean, we saw him during his days at NC State. We saw him kind of in that little that little time period when he was with the Dallas Mavericks and you could see like the, just the pure flash that he had, like dude can jump through the roof. So I don't know. Hopefully it works out for him. Uh, what I really wished he had said is I watched him on league pass last year and Eric Collins was so great at calling dunks that I wanted to go to Charlotte. So Eric Collins can call my dunks. And that would be, you need Eric Collins in like the recruiting room, you know, pitching to Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah, I've got a nickname for you, Dennis. Like, here's your calls. You're all good to go. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he's got like all, pre- like ten like pre-recorded for him, and he's just playing them <laughs> off the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, you can pick. You can pick which one you like. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I'm. I really hope Dennis Smith uh, succeeds here in Charlotte, and I I do wonder if like. Last time Steve was in Charlotte and in Orlando, he had Michael Carter Williams as that like backup point guard in brackets where he didn't really handle the ball all that much, but kind of picked up people full court and was was a bit of a defensive ball pressure menace. And I think Dennis Smith Jr. will probably look to fulfill that that similar role here in Charlotte. So we, we know Clifford likes to have those kind of guys in the roster. Um, okay, let's move on to the big one. We've not touched on Lamelo yet, really. Um Couple of things on Lamelo. So it seems that Lamelo has been working with a rules official to help generate free throws, and he said, "quote 
that he needs to be more aggressive and work on picking and choosing his spots. And then also Clifford said that it would be, and I quote, a game changer uh, for him to, in terms of drawing more free throws and also uh, talked about him fo- focusing to, to finish, finishing at the rim being an area of focus this summer. So I, I know like there's a lot of different parts of the game, but like definitely finishing at the rim and drawing free throws was something that I think everyone who watched the Mello last year, you felt that he generally tried to evade contact and um, really struggled to finish around the rim unless he was kind of going downhill and then create separation from a defender. Um, and, you know, working with a rules official is really interesting because that's not something I've really heard before with a Charlotte Hornets play. You've heard people, I know Miles Bridges in the past has talked about trying to draw more fouls in, in previous years. Being honest, it, it didn't really work that much. I think the training camp where he talked about all summer I've been studying, you know, looking at how to draw more contracts from my size and speed. And then like his free throw weight was just like the same as the year before. So this this isn't a guarantee, but at least refreshing to see like in the past, at times the Melo has sometimes been a bit like, I'm just going to be me. I don't need to work on my shot. Like, you know, kind of, and it does seem like here that, that Clifford has got through to him in terms of about making some really focused change here. So Skylar, what, yeah, what are, what are your thoughts on, on the Melo? Yeah, I mean, I think if he can if he can get to the point where he's consistently finishing at a high rate, this offense is going to be good, like top top two, top three in the league. Um, and I think picking and choosing his spots is definitely going to be something that he's definitely got to work on. And it's not just in terms of attacking the paint or attacking the rim or anything like that. It's just in general. Because I think there was there was a couple occasions last year where you could sense him starting to heat up from the floor, whether it was from three, just or just scoring in general. Yet he kind of passed up some options, and I think he's got to get to the point where he can feel okay to to take over the team and take over the offense and the scoring and all that stuff. Because at some point he's got to evolve into that type of player where he can go get you thirty or forty on any given night. He's not there yet. He's not he's not really even close to that. But I think if he gets more confidence in his shot, more confidence in just knowing when to go for those those types of shots, I think that'll take him to the next level. But I think too, and it's not so much basketball wise, but something that kind of stuck out to me was Lamelo seemed to talk a little bit more today than he I was gonna before. ask you this. I was yep. I was gonna ask you about this. Yeah, go yep. ahead. Yeah, he seemed more open. He seemed relaxed. He seemed more comfortable. He kind of cracked a few jokes before, you know, we actually started asking questions. Did the same when he left. Like, he just – he opened up a little bit more. Now, I don't know if this is going to be, like, the entire year. This is how Mel is going to be. But it wasn't just, yeah, facts. You know, like, he actually (laughs) made some thought into his answers. Yeah, that's that's really interesting to see. And I think – the big thing about the finishing around the rim is because of what last, you saw last year was he's such a good passer. Teams are playing Lamelli for the pass on any drive, right? Because they know he really wanted to, to get his teammates involved. They weren't helping off guys in the corners. They were making Lamelo try and finish over their, their defensive, the center or the help defender or just trying to make a contested layup or, or pull up for one of those mid-range floaters. I'm curious if those mid-range floaters disappear from Melo's game or not, or if they're still part of it this year. I think that'll be an interesting one to monitor. But if he can finish around the rim, people are going to have to, you know, commit that more help defense. And you then know he's just such a good passer that he's going to find people open. So it's not just the scoring, it's finishing at the rim what will help, but it'll also be his playmaking and assist numbers too. Okay, we're probably coming towards the end here. Chase, is there anything else you want to touch on before we before we finish up? We've we've obviously touched on Quite a r- wide range of topics so far. I don't know. I, I think I'm good. I don't think there's anything that we haven't discussed in some way that I thought was was notable. What about you guys? Is there anything you guys got left? I, I, I know James did kind of briefly mention it, but I did. It was pretty funny to see that uh, Cody Martin found out about his deal uh, while he was standing in line at Disneyland. How funny is that? <laughs> I like that too. That was pretty good. I like that he's, you know, he was out he was out enjoying himself in spite of it being yeah. what could probably be a stressful period in, in your life. He he was he was letting himself get away from it. So uh, good for him. And that that heard, went um, underrated as a signing, I think, this offseason, just because of how like disapproving people were of pretty much everything else that 
that happened. But four, four years and $32 million for Cody Martin is a very, very good contract. And I'm excited to, to have him around. Well, I mean, if you think about it, there was one point in time that we all kind of just assumed that they weren't going to be able to afford it. Yeah. Yeah. Because, because of Miles Bridges' situation. So I just imagine Cody like sitting in the Disneyland queue with like the big Mickey ears on, just like ready to go. Like when I went to, I, I don't know which one's, is Disneyland California? I can't never remember yeah. which was. Okay. Yeah. That's okay. That's the one I went to this summer, right? As well, when I did my trip. And, um, when I was there, people have like these family t-shirts. It's really cringe. I don't know if this is an American thing, where they're all like, we're here on like the, the Adams family, and they've all got like Mickey Mouse Disney t-shirts on, like a whole group of eight of them, which I just would never ever be caught dead in that if my family ever took me to Disneyland. <laughs> or I don't understand why people want to walk around in these t-shirts to be like, I'm a massive dork. That's like all I can see it saying. But yeah. I just imagine Cody Martin there with like, yeah. The uh, you know, I'm with the the Martins, him and his brother Caleb, both with, like the Mickey and Minnie ears on, and then finding out he's getting the news. Maybe it made me chuckle in my head anyway. They got shirts on that's like he's my twin with an arrow <laughs> to the left, and Caleb has one that's like I'm his twin to the right, and they're standing next to each other. Yeah, I can imagine. That's someone's got by the way, someone's got sort of the Martin brothers out with some Q jump, right? I mean, you're in the NBA and you're queuing for Disneyland, like you shouldn't be doing that's that true. with the the, the muggles like me and, and the other people, you should be, be able to get in the back door, surely. Yeah, no, if I saw Cody Martin waiting in line, I'd, I would do whatever I could to get him to the front. Someone so. get this man his fast pass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I, I guess last thing I want to touch on, I just thought it was funny, Steve Clifford talking about the defense of last year when he said, and I, this is the quote, the defense wasn't great, but they did do some good things defensively. They were second of steals and did a good job scoring off those, which is still like an offensive thing. Yeah, you know? well, I was, yeah, I was, that is a, that's a good thing to highlight is because one of the best things they did on defense was play offense, which I yeah, thought was awesome. Which is, was like, I mean, it's a, it's like a good thing to be good at. But it's I'd love funny. to know what the question was. Like, like, what did you make of this team's defense this year? And he's like, right, let's be positive about this. They were good at steals. Um, <laughs> it's, it's like, I don't know. <laughs> It's like a food critic going for like out to McDonald's and being asked to kind of review the meal. You're like, um, it was good, good, you know, prompt service. Yeah, the food came quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, talked about with with Milo too was that he like unpromptedly like talked about how good he was defensively in certain spots, like especially with steals. Like everyone kind of questions Lamelo on that side of the floor, but. He kind of backed him up today. I love that. Of- I loved seeing that, you know, because it'd be really easy to be like, yeah, Lamelo really needs to improve defensively. He's got some real issues there. There are a lot of breakdowns. You know, you could do that, but he knows he knows what he's doing there. He, he's done that on purpose. He's gone into today saying, if I get asked about Lamelo, or if, even if I don't, I'm going to bring up that I'm impressed with him defensively because that's about creating those links with your star player. That's about trying to get him to buy in defensively and trying to make him feel good about himself um and and not criticize them so i yeah i didn't know it was unprompted but i i really like that he did that um because i mean let's be honest we, we all know that lamello is not a good defender right now um yeah. we all, <laughs> but but kind of clifford just seemed to skim over that which um like i'm sure he won't be doing that in the film sessions don't worry but there's no reason to necessarily air that in the media as much as i'm sure some reporters would would like to have that quote um, you know, this is not Steve Clifford's first rodeo. He, he's he's not going to give out some big headlines for people here to start driving a wedge between him and, and Lamella Ball. Okay, well, I think that'll pretty much bring an end to our uh, to the pod. I think we've now got training camp that starts this week. Skyler, you're going to be there all week, most of the week. What's it looking like for you? I believe most of the week. I think Thursday I uh, won't be able to get there. But yeah, the other, the other days I should be there. Yeah, so we should be getting loads of great content content over at uh, All Hornets website. Um, Sky will be bringing us the latest news from training camp, um, how plays looking, how things looking ahead of the first preseason game against Boston, which is in Greensboro this weekend, I believe. Um, so there's yeah a ton coming up here, and by the time you probably next hear from us, we'll probably be maybe next Monday, next Tuesday, and we'll have actually seen a Hornets basketball game. Well. 
they'll, they'll have played one. I can't promise with it being in Greensboro in preseason, it'll definitely be aired on TV because sometimes trying to find preseason games is very difficult. But um, we'll, we'll, they will at least have played a game and we'll have some, some content to talk about. And then uh, I know Tim and Mark are going to be back with Hornets and Heartbreak on Wednesday. And they're going to be looking at a kind of a bit of a, a fun off-season recap just uh, as we head into training camp as well. So make sure you keep an eye out for that. But that's everything from us for now. Thank you to Chase. Thank you to Skylar for joining us, giving us the latest info, making time in your day. And enjoy your week at training camp, Skylar. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Catch everyone soon. Bye.